Welcome, 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 welcome again to Strong City Church. We're so excited. Thank God for the time that it is right now, and hopefully everyone is just as excited because it is time for some word. Yes, we've been getting word all day. We've been getting word through through exhortation. We've been getting word through song. We've been getting word through giving, through the operations of giving. It's just been a a consistency with worship, and we're going to continue to worship God in the Word. Um, I'm going to pray briefly, and then we're going to jump right in. So uh, if you will, just wherever you are, whatever's going on, just stop for a moment. Lend me your ear, lend God your heart, and let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you right now for the revelation of your word. And right now, we declare that you said when your word was ministered, that you confirmed your word with signs and wonders. And we want to believe again in signs and wonders. We want hope. of what salvation truly is. So as we embark on this conversation, as we lend our ear to hear you, as we open our hearts to receive from you, make manifest the things, confirm things through tangible means that not only we know, what you're saying is accurate, but that the world knows what you're saying is true. And we're going to give glory to you. Thank you for preaching to us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Stay close, bruh. Stay close. All right. All right. So we're still on this conversation about true salvation true salvation and you know it's important i want i want to encourage everybody that please understand that my tone uh may be a little dogmatic or may seem or appear a bit harsh but it is not to condemn anything that we currently do because when i say we i include myself but it is to convict us of who we actually are and inspire us to open our hearts to receive, to understand, and to take full responsibility and ownership of the gift that we have been given. And so just to let you know, there will be some hard things that I will say just going to give it to you straight but at the end of the day the hard things that I'm saying is not for your capability it's to let you know what you are actually capable of through the spirit of God that lives in you it's not about your ability to come up to anything it's more of a revelation of what's within 
who you are. And, and, and the problem with cracking or breaking ground is that it's, you know, anytime you have to break up the ground, it takes force. It takes some, some, some vigorous activity. It takes some, some pressing down. It takes some shaking. It takes some violence to shake those things up. And many of us have an understanding of salvation that has been, that we honestly don't take full account of what lies within. So we got to break this up. So we're going to dispel myths. We're going to shake you up. We're going to get you to understand I have to do something that may be the hardest thing to do. And that's the reason why our prayer was for God to confirm through signs and wonders. Because the issue that Jesus had, the issue that the apostles had, the issue that we have as believers is to try to convince a world of an invisible God and an invisible kingdom. Very challenging stuff when everyone is taught to look with their eyes to see something. It's very challenging for you to convince people. And so where we have gone left as the churches, we've tried to explain it away. So we spent more time in books, in conversation to discuss why our points are accurate. We have gone to task to try to prove what God is saying is actually true. And we've done this with our own mental capacity, and it limits us from being able to fully express the fullness of a salvation, of a great salvation, of a true salvation. So the issue that we all face is, how do we prove that we possess what we say we possess? Do I prove it by going to church? Do I prove it by what you may say is my actions, my behavior? Do I prove it by my conversation? Do I prove it by my ability to understand scripture and align scripture with history? Can I make a case for salvation in Christianity and win a debate with an unbeliever? Well, the great thing about God is he didn't do things that way. Jesus didn't do things that way. Jesus had plenty of debates. He had plenty of conversations. However, he said, I want you to believe me for one thing and one thing only. Believe me for the work's sake. If you can't believe what I've said, if you can't believe what you've heard, if you can't believe anything that I told you, what you can believe is what you saw with your eyes. And what we've done in the church, especially in our Americanized format of the church, is that we've said, believe me because I say so. You don't have to see anything, but just believe. I can go through the same stuff that you can go through, but if my argument is better, if it sounds better, if my approach seems to be 
more on point, then you should follow and believe what I'm saying because, of course, what I'm saying is just good. We have reduced salvation to an emotional or mental thing that we only limit salvation to the forgiveness of sins and this hope of an afterlife that we cannot see. So we're telling people about a God they can't see and about a place they can't see, about a paradise that's to come. After a while, people grow tired of that conversation. Doesn't matter how many lights or cameras I put on it. Doesn't matter how many times I put music to it. It doesn't matter how many styles I present that quote-unquote gospel message. If it does not have the fullness of what salvation really is, if it doesn't have an impact on the natural as well as the spiritual, if I can't connect natural with supernatural, if I can't see the reason why I'm here and you're telling me about something that's going to happen in the future, why would I yet hope? Why would I trust that what you're saying is actual? Why would I be convinced? So the job that I have today is to shake up those of us who have accepted it to understand what our earthly responsibility is and what the expectation is with what we have been given. A witness has an eyewitness account, but in the kingdom, Jesus didn't just call witnesses. He empowered them to have abilities to do things so that they can be seen. He confirmed what he said by things that would be altered or changed to give some type of a difference of a life expectancy. So we're going we're gonna to tap in a little bit to this today. And I'm going to walk it slow because I don't want at all to, and we're going to make it do what it do. I'll be done, but we're going to walk this thing slow, and we're going to make it do what it do. All right? So, we're still on the conversation. True salvation. True salvation. And we talked last week. If you followed us last week, if you haven't, go back and check it out. Good stuff. Last week, we talked about salvation, and we talked about the connection between true salvation and the name that Jesus embodied when he hit the planet when he was revealed you know the scriptures all before talk about a name talks to a name a future name that will be given and Jesus embodies that name and the name is Yeshua okay Yeshua Hamashiach but Yeshua is this name and the funny thing about this name is this name actually means salvation this is the tag this is the name this is the authority. This is the power that Jesus embodied and walked in. And so my task then is to show us how Jesus embodied salvation in a way where we're not embodying that salvation in the same context. And because of that, we're not operating in all the attributes of Yeshua. 
we sing about him. Bless the wonderful name of Jesus. We, we, we preach and say you have to do it in Jesus' name. We baptize and say we do it in Jesus' name. But as far as our actual life, we honestly don't live in the capacity of Yeshua. How is this possible? How do I know that? How can you say that? Very simply, if you find any area of your life that is not currently saved, what does that mean? That means free from hurt, free from evil, free from disease, free from sickness, free from poverty, then there's an application of Yeshua that's not evident in your life. Now, don't feel discouraged. Again, I said I want to convict you of who you actually are versus it's not about what you're doing right now. It's about how you're believing. So I want to tell you that the reason why you're not following the full application is because you haven't been taught. We have not been taught that Yeshua, salvation, was more than just a placeholder for a future event. That's what we were taught. Get saved now so you go to heaven in the future. That's it. Forgiveness of sins. Ha! Clean off all your sins. Wash that out. Now you can be redeemed in the future. You go to heaven in the future. And that's where we stayed. And the problem is, is that's where the church ministers from. And so each Sunday, we get more people converted based off of that idea. However, we never challenge them to understand what the reason for salvation really is, why they are saved, and what that actually means and embodies for them. So now, we put the responsibility on the church building and on the leadership team to pull in recruits to come in and to do a uh, stamp of approval on each person to say that now they have something. So now what we've done is we've, we've made it a factory and we've created an assembly line of Christians. And we have stamped their head with the approval saying I'm saved. However, they don't understand the operations of it couldn't explain it, and in most situations don't live it in an out loud way because they don't know how to, haven't heard about, have no context of what that actually looks like. So, what do they do? They invite people in their circle to come with them to church because I can't show you salvation, but the preacher can tell you about it, and you can get your stamp of approval as well. Now, the funny thing about this is this is not salvation. And I'm not saying that lightly. This is not salvation. Not saying that a salvation experience didn't start, not saying that it hasn't occurred, not saying that it's not real, you believe in your heart. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying this in itself, in essence, is not the picture of salvation. 
Salvation is actually a transformation, a change, where now you have a life source within you that causes you to now carry the fullness of Yeshua within. When you go out and impact change, it comes from an internal place, not from what you can bring them back to. And by those signs and wonders, you are identified as believers. You're not operating with it. Why would somebody want something from you if you're not operating with it? And so what I'm here to do is challenge you. And this is something that God told me. And I want to make sure because in our best sermons about salvation, in our most deep sermons about salvation, we break it down and we talk about the forgiveness of sins initially. And then we mention the other things as if they are byproducts. We mention the other things as if they are a part of a benefit package. How many people know that benefits you don't have to take advantage of? If you work and you have a job, you have benefits. Those benefits are there for you, but in, they're in case you need them. You don't have to take advantage of them. And what God challenged me with, he said, son, don't teach this as if these things are benefits package the problem is our teaching even our best teachers have taught this as if it was benefit package and because it's benefit package to them it, it becomes benefit package to us and as benefit packages when I want to if I want to I don't really have to I don't see the value in how many people have read full out your benefit package? Exactly. No hands, people. Exactly. Why? Because who has time to read through a bunch of things that I probably won't even use? So if I present salvation as if it's a benefit package, what will you do? Who has a need to read a Bible that tells me about benefits that I ain't going to use? So what God is tasking us with is to understand true salvation is not about a benefit package. It is all inclusive into the person of Yeshua. And because it is inclusive in Yeshua, and you have now been baptized into Yeshua, you are Yeshua. Therefore, the benefit package is a part of your everyday life. It's not a benefit package. It's who you are. So we're going to talk about some of these uh, ideas around different parts We've sectioned these things off and we've made it just about sin. Some of the deepest places, some of the best places, places that are just busting at the seams, they're talking more about the emotional piece and a little about the prosperity. And so that's a draw, right? Because people can see if people are wealthy. 
You get to see them drive cars. You get to see them live in houses. You get to see them do well in jobs. So it's like, okay, I can see that they're blessed. And that becomes a draw. Right? Because it's visible. This isn't rocket science, people. It's just actual, the way we are built as human beings. Some of the places that are busting at the scene do a great job with psychology. They talk about the Bible from a standpoint of emotionalism. They make sure that they address your spiritual concerns, your mental concerns, your mental health. And they're dabbing into that now to try to get you into a place of joy, happiness. And so they're expressing that part of Yeshua now a little more. And people are seeing results. People who might have been on medication for a while are being able to pull down on some of that medicine. People who have been in bad and hard, hard relationships are now making better life choices, better decisions. So you see a little bit of that fruit coming from that, and it draws people to it. I don't know about you, but if you ever knew somebody who used to be on drugs real bad and then you see their life change, it is a noticeable difference. And because of that, you might want to know what they know. Or know who they know. Beautiful. Signs of true salvation. But salvation is more than that. It is, it is all inclusive. And the reason for last week's message to try to understand what the name was. Is because the reason in the Old Testament that the name was never said. Is because Moses and, and God had a dialogue. And he just said I am. That's, that's similar to an answer of fill in the blank. You need a deliverer, I am. You need provision, I am. You need a protector, I am. You need a father, I am. Friend, I am. This points to the gap of what we have needs for which is the reason why we possess such a great salvation today. And this is where we're going to challenge it. Because if, if I have a God who lives in me through his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, and I have the ability within me to have anything that I have need of, why do I not see the manifestation of that in my life? That is the question. Here's where we take ownership, very ourselves to listen to. Here's where we take ownership, very practical. We dispel the myths so that we stop blaming God for what we don't see active in our life. This means that God cannot then be, be the conduit or the reason, I should say, for you having sickness. If you see sickness in your life presently, it is not because God applied that to your life. It is not because that's God's plan for you or will for you. Okay? This is a myth because some of us actually believe if I pray for it, if I get the preachers to pray for it, if we pray against it and it doesn't move, doesn't change, God's working this for my good. And I get a little... I get a little antsy when people use scripture to support bad theology. God is working that for my good. 
However, in the life of Jesus, you never saw him ever work sickness for the good of anyone. I challenge you, review it for yourself. You will never find in his earthly ministry in the Gospels him ever apply sickness to any situation to work it out for good. Here is the opposite of what he did as Yeshua. He was the salvation. So when he came into the moment, whatever was broken got fixed because of his, his very presence in it. I want to dispel this myth because many of us live on this. We justify our current position instead of challenging, resisting the devil. We actually do have an adversary, guys. And the adversary wants you to be broke, busted, and disgusted. What is it, Pastor John 10, 10? Where it says, well, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. Hey, here's a novel thing. If you find any stealing, if you find any killing, <laughs> if you find any destruction, how about this? Stop giving credit to Jesus for that. Because he said that the thief does those things, and he meant the adversary, the enemy, Satan, does those things. These are attributes of Satan's influence in a life. If you find that in your life currently, it is not from God. On the other side of that, it said, but Jesus has come for you to have life and have it more abundantly or have an abundant life, which is Yeshua. He came to give you life, fullness. So let's look at it. Let's do this. I'll read through a few of these because I promise I'm not staying here long. Salvation, Greek word, Hebrew, right? Uh, excuse me, Hebrew word, salvation, Yeshua. All right, let me just highlight a few of these attributes. So, these are the biblical uses for it. Salvation. Yeshua means deliverance. Yeshua means welfare. Welfare is the state of doing well, especially in respect to good fortune, happiness, well-being, or prosperity. It is aid in the form of money or necessities for those in need. This is what welfare is. This is just welfare. Prosperity, the state of being successful, usually by making a lot of money. These are all uses for the word Yeshua, salvation. Another word, prosperity, means good in the widest sense of the word. So if anything that you can put a tag on and say that it's good, in the widest sense of that word, that means that's salvation. That's what Jesus came and embodied. That's what we 
are supposed to be walking in. Listen to this. Bountiful, cheerful, at ease. Good, pleasant, agreeable. Happy. Kind. Look, this is another word I saw for it. I thought this was neat, especially for anybody who's had, like, cancer or that type of thing. Benign. It's actually a word for good. Ethical. Any moral dilemma you have? It's right there. Salvation. Benefit. Moral. Then, of course, there's deliverance, freedom from anything that is evil or ill that could happen, protection from. This is all a part of salvation. Another great word, victory. Doesn't this make sense out of all of these these Bible phrases that we like to quote and convince people? To follow us because we have such a great salvation. Let's go to Psalms. I want, I want to go to an Old Testament reality and then I'm going to go to a New Testament reality and then we're going we're gonna to rock there. But let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 103. It's important for us to see. What we are looking at when we say the word salvation, all right? And I want you to understand that this is not a New Testament only reality. Here is David speaking to a time, salvation, and what the expectation was. So I want you to see this is not New Testament only. So I don't want you to put any boundaries between you and it to say, ah, I can't get this. So Let's look at it first in King Jimmy. That's cool. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. What name? Yeshua. What name? Yeshua. Why was David saying that? He said, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But first, we got to understand why we're blessing God. We're blessing God because there is an authority. There is an order. There is something that is within the name that's going to unlock things. And I'm going to be able to see all that comes from that. So then it says, too, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, here's David saying all. He didn't say some. He didn't say apart. He said all. Now, here's the thing I really love. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Let's stop right here for a second. All right. So, I'm going to venture out a little bit and just talk for a second about iniquities. Okay. So, we understand that we're on the same page. All right. He said, David said, who heals, who forgives all of thine iniquities. 
Let's talk about iniquities for a moment. Iniquities, David also says in another area, that we were born into sin, shapen in iniquities. This means that in the formatting of my physical earthly body, there is woven within the DNA of it a word called iniquity. Now, I want to help you realize something that we doctors talk about now. So, so if you go for a medical appointment or you go to see a doctor for a doctor's visit, what some of the questions they normally ask you about sicknesses or things like that? They normally reference what? Your family line, right? They reference your history, your family's history. Is anyone in your family diabetic? Does anyone in your family have heart conditions? Is anyone in your family line? How did doctors come up with this? It actually comes from a biblical idea, but it comes from them experiencing through the years that if it is in the family line, it's a high probability that that might be cause for some of the symptoms that this person is coming to be seen about. So a doctor needs to be able to understand what the family line looks like to be able to diagnose what's really going on now. Okay? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Iniquities, according to Scripture, it's Deuteronomy, is it 20? Is it 20, Pastor? Where, where it talks about the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation. Exodus, sorry, Exodus 20. Exodus 20. It talks about the sins of the father. All right? Specifically, the failures of the father, the sins of the father, the evil of the father is passed down to third and fourth. That, so for anybody who doesn't know, that's your great-grandbaby or your great-great-grandbaby, okay? So when, when, when the doctors are asking this question, they want to look down the line. Now, what sin did is sin separated us from God, so it caused some physical reactions in the earthly body, which is where sickness came from. There would be no sickness if sin didn't happen. Okay, we're understandable on All right, great. So now, iniquities is the sin that has been passed down through generations that has provided not only physical issues, but also proclivities. Things that you might be open to that you would not have been open to. If great-great-granddad had a little problem with being on both sides of the track, being a switch hitter, being in the, okay, I don't try to get too graphic, but you know. If he had those issues, it's a possibility through iniquity, children. Where are there signs of this? Let's look at Noah. Noah was perfect in his generation. However, his offspring had an issue and became cursed because of sin. And the Bible says that it cursed his genealogy. And these same ones ended up being the Sodom and Gomorrah that was going to be destroyed. Following that same perverted genealogy, the iniquities of the father applied. Okay? Now, let's come back to how this impacts us. So these iniquities, God would be unfair 
if he allowed us to be subject to them for the rest of our life. So instead, he brought Yeshua. And Yeshua embodied all of the sin and iniquity of the world. And the Bible says that he was bruised and wounded for these reasons. He received the recompense for it and he had to become the payment for it. And because of the payment has been received, now that I am operating in the name or place of Yeshua in the earth, I no longer have that line. So what David was saying is, who forgiveth all mine iniquities? He said, I'm clearing everything out of here right now. And I'm going to tell you what that did. What that did was open up another opportunity for me. So now since I have been cleared of all of that sin that happened in my genealogy, now I have the healing of all of my diseases to boot. This means that no longer do I have to worry about because my dad had whatever with his heart carrying that and passing that along to my children. Because I've accepted Yeshua. He's taken advantage of something for me. And now it's a part of the benefits. Just who I am. I am healed. Because. So now. Let's go to the next verse. <laughs> Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, deliverance from destruction. Another attribute of Yeshua. This means all the destruction that you could see that could impact my life past, present, or future is now swallowed up in Yeshua. We're going to talk about the why we, we, we are suffering with it now. But it's important for us to understand what is a part of the salvation. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. This means so much of an abundance of favor and beauty and honor and glory that you can't even. It's just loving kindness. Can't even put, it's just so, it's, it's, I don't even deserve it. It's so just, it's just, it's lavished on me. And there's so many tender mercies. I wake up every day with a new and a tender mercy. It's just so beautiful. You know what? God has such a short memory about the things of my past. So just from the night to the day, just me waking up is such an opportunity now for me. This is why he blessed the Lord with his soul. Next verse. Who satisfy thy mouth. Check this out with another word for Yeshua. Good things. And I love this part. This next part. Made me want to run. It says, so that thy youth is renewed. This means that God doesn't, he's got that automatic Benjamin Button thing going on. 
As you serve him, you reduce in age. Your, your youth is renewed. This is scripture. This ain't mine. As I get older, there's still a youth that is being renewed. It means I have it. I possess it. This means that I don't have to worry about my mind. I don't have to accept the world's philosophy that as I get older, my mind will get uh, uh, worse off and, and I have to be in somebody's home and somebody got to carry me and take care of me. I don't have to think that way because I have been renewed. This is what I possess. This is a part of Yeshua. And while we bless the name of God on Sundays or on Wednesdays, do we actually take these type of things of blessing the Lord with our soul from a place of these type of things? Let's look at it in the Passion Translation, just uh, verses four and five, I think. In the Passion Translation, if you got it, Tristan. Yeah. And, and this is just the Passion Translation. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. Five. I think I like the way it read. You satisfy my every desire with good things. Watch this. You've supercharged my life. So that I soar again, like a flying eagle in the sky. Salvation, Yeshua, true salvation. This is what I carry. So question, why am I not seeing the manifestation of the fullness of what I say I possess. This is where ownership comes in. I don't think that way. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I don't think that way. It's not that I'm not that. I am that. But I carry with me a mind that remembers and it remembers my genealogy it remembers my former life it remembers what I was a slave to and one thing that your mind is not able to do it's not built that way is to forget honestly your mind is not built to forget so now that would be a sad story if we closed the book up then and said, you know what, let's leave. Everybody be excited about all this awesome stuff that we see, but no revelation of how. But here's the ownership. Your mind has been transformed. Your mind has been made new. Your mind has the ability to be renewed. We renew it by the word of God. Every opportunity that we get 
to get a revelation of what we just got an understanding of is an opportunity for me to see a manifestation of that in my life. And as I see that manifestation, I trust in it. And I, I'm going to do it again. And it becomes a cycle. And this is where mind renewal begins. This is where true repentance is. It is a change of mind. I was carrying a tag that somebody put on my forehead of salvation. But now instead of carrying that tag on my forehead, I'm going to accept it in my heart. And as I accept it in my heart, I'm going to believe and confession will be made unto true salvation. And now you will see a manifestation in my outward being that will be an example of what happened internally to me. No longer will I accept salvation as a stamp of approval. As a club tag on my hand to go in. As a bracelet to be able to get, my, get on the good rides. I am converted internally. There's been a transformation that's occurred. I am no longer just I. Yeshua lives in me. And this means that all things are new. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark. Yeah, let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark. And let's go to, you know what, Tristan? Let's go to the Passion Translation and start at verse 5. 2-5. Five. All right. So, So, just to give you some background, I want to give a New Testament reality to the same thing, but I'm going to show a balance. And again, this is going to be an ongoing thing because you're not going to leave here the same as you came. You're not going to watch this and walk away from it and think that things are going to be just sweet now because you've got an accountability partner here with me. And I'm telling you, you need to be held accountable for the greatness, the awesomeness that you have within you. There's no need for you to be blessed with such a great salvation for you to walk away. Hebrews says it this way. It says, if, if, if I have such a great salvation and those who just had the law who were just going to just decided not to walk away from that. Look at the punishment that happened to them. But I've got even a greater salvation. How much worse would it be for me if I didn't take advantage of all of these vast opportunities that God has given to me through life? They just had the law. The law was limited. The law was regimented. We have a full, true, living Salvation. You're not going to be able to get out of this. Now, if you decide or choose to not take advantage, sure, sure, but it's not going to stop you from getting there. If you want to go to heaven tomorrow, that's your business. I want to be here and apply this to my life in a way that it gets to benefit and bless the people of God so that we can walk in kingdom. Because he didn't create me just to go back. Oh, 
Now, if you choose to say, I ain't believing for all that, that's too much. Believing for all that. That's your business. But that's a choice. All right, so let's look at this. So here's a story. Here's, this is a story, but it's really happened. This is actual. So don't, don't just look at it as if this is a, something that just, oh, it's a nice little groovy story about Jesus. No, this actually happened. So Jesus was ministering. and He was ministering inside of a home. Most of you already know this story to preach by itself, right? Uh, you got people outside. They're, they're coming in. There was a man that was lame. He's lame. There's guys that's carrying him on a stretcher. But they heard that Jesus is in this location, and they needed to get him to Jesus. So with their faith, they said, you know what? We're going to go tear the roof off this mug. So they went up there, and they tore the roof off, let the guy down. All right? So now Jesus is ministering the kingdom in this place, and it's full. It's slam-packed. But here's this guy being lowered in that has an ailment. All right? And so this is where we pick up the story. All right? So when Jesus saw the extent of their faith... He said to the paralyzed man, now here's the paralyzed man that's down. He said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) All right, next. All right, I'm going to get back to that, but next. He said, your sins are forgiven. He says this to a paralyzed guy, okay? A guy has a physical ailment. Here's Dr. Jesus diagnosing the problem. Physical ailment, he said, here's the problem. Your sins are forgiven. All right? Verse 7. Who? Oh, excuse me. Go back to verse 6. Verse 6. Verse 6. Go back to verse 6, Tristan. All right. This offended some of the religious scholars. It's funny how when, when you walk in Yeshua, religious folk will be the first to be ready to persecute you. Let me tell you the only thing that you're not freed from under Yeshua. Persecution. I'll tell you why. It's very simple. It's not because God is just... He likes us to be gluttons for punishment. It's because he loves those same people that the enemy is using to persecute you. And just as Paul was transformed from Saul to Paul, who persecuted the church, he would not limit his love and his grace to somebody else who might be caught in persecuting you. He loves them just as much. So you can pray on them all you want to. You can tell God about them. You can talk junk and you can ask for God to to, to set them up, to ride them off the road, whatever. He is not going to be your hitman. He is not the Godfather. He is God the Father. He's not going to be your personal goon squad to go hit people for you. They are allowed to persecute you. Just like he said to Paul, he'll say to you, my grace is sufficient for you. You can deal with that persecution, bro. I built you to be able to handle it. So here comes persecution. Notice Jesus wasn't uh, uh, confused about this, but this offended some of the religious scholars. They were present. They reasoned among themselves. Seven. 
who does he think he is to speak this way? When you get a true glimpse of what salvation looks like, people will call you arrogant. They say you done lost it. You crazy. You loony. Who do you think you are telling us that God forgave? See, who do you think you are? This is blasphemy for sure. Only God himself can forgive sins. Next. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, why are you being so skeptical? Dealing on the earth now. Remember, people need to see something. Jesus is talking about sins being forgiven. Can you see sins? No. You can see behaviors maybe, but you can't see sins. You can't see a lie. You might hear somebody tell a lie. No, okay, they told a lie. But you can't see it. So he's saying, why are you so skeptical? Because they're looking. They want to see something. They need to understand something. So keep on reading. He says, so he supernaturally proceeds. Why are you being so skeptical? Next verse. Which is easier to say? Here's Jesus teaching. Which is it easier for me to say? Is it easier for me to try to convince you? Is it easier for me to give this long dissertation and to give this long presentation about how God uh, created and, and walk you from Adam all the way up to Jesus, all the way up to myself? Is it easier for me to just line by line build this whole stage to make it appear as if I know something or something, is, it looks a certain way? He said, what, which one, is, what's, what's it easier to say? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are now forgiven, or to stand up and walk? So here is Jesus saying, I'm not here just to massage your intellect. I'm here to impact a natural change where you can believe what I'm saying is actual. If I tell you the sins are forgiven, you can't see that. But if I tell you, this man get up and walk and you see him do it, you better believe the sins are forgiven. Because in my eyes, there is no separation between salvation and healing. Sins being forgiven and healing to your physical body are on the same plane in the eyes of Jesus. Yeshua says salvation is a package deal. And if I forgive your sins, I have healed you of all your diseases. It works the same. What does this mean, man? This means that the same effort that you put into receiving salvation is the same effort that you should put into receiving healing. It is a part of the package. Jesus did not separate it. Why should we? But we teach one side. Why? Because it's easier for me to not be accountable and have to lay hands on somebody and you see them get up out of the wheelchair. Because if that happens, then you'll know that I actually have some power behind what I'm saying. But oh to God that we would do what God said do in the earth. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. What if we stop just having this is something that you just emotionalize about? 
What if I stop just playing to your emotions and playing nice music for you to sway and move on? What if I just made it real to you? So both are the same. Why is that important? Because in salvation, in Yeshua, I have both. There's not a part of me that's going to heaven, but I can stay here and live in hell. No, see, my spirit, don't let people get too deep and they talk you out. No, my spirit is saved. My soul is going to go to heaven. But this body, this body going to go back to the dirt. So, did Jesus say to this guy, you paralyzed, but your body going to go back to the dirt. You good. Did he say to the spectators, y'all just move him to the side, let me finish my sermon. I know he interrupted the flow of service, but just move him to the side. Let me finish speaking because he's getting the best part when he's hearing what I got to say. This is what salvation has now become in our context. So even when we go to ministries, I have been in line waiting. Can they please just call on a healing? Can there, can there please just be a, a healing line? Is it possible that I can just have somebody lay hands on me, my child? I just want to see the deliverance, the manifestation of what was said be actual in my life. And I have watched preachers. They call somebody out and rather call them out and give them prophecy about something that you can't see. I see there's somebody on your job, and so on, so on, so. True salvation. We want to shake the spectator. We want to get this thing off of us. We have the wrong idea. We are walking. This is a part of us. This is not a benefit. This is us. It's in me. You know what they did? Pastor, you remember what they did? They would sit the wounded and sick people out on the side of the road. There wasn't a sermon being preached. There wasn't no oil being slung. They just walked through the middle and salvation got hold to these folks that was on the side of the road and they got up out of their beds. Their sickness went away. What happened? Is their power different from ours? Do they possess something that we don't have? One of the prophet's bones healed somebody. This was under the old covenant. Does they have something that we don't have? Of course not. But as a man thinketh in his heart. If you find limits in your life right now, 
check your expectation. You think not? Look on every TV. You're going to see a workout video. You're going to see they're going to be sending out uh, herbs and all of this other stuff, medicine. You got doctors getting paid the most. Why? Because everybody wants to live long. Don't let nobody fool you. So why should we be in the church sitting here looking crazy when we got the actual answer? We're supposed to be a light. Pointing to Jesus. They're supposed to be able to look at us and say, man, I don't know what's going on. They're just, they just healthy folks. They're just blessed. Do you see how they just, I mean, they're they blessed. Look at them. They're blessed. I want to know what they got going on. We shouldn't be afraid of somebody asking us for something. We should say, just like <laughs> the lame man that was sitting beside the, the, the gate called Beautiful, and he was sitting there for alms and alms and alms, and they went up and they saw him and they said, man, listen, you don't need money. This is what you need. Yes, you are. And when he got up, he went leaping and dancing. Everybody was in awe. 3,000 plus were added to the church. Why? They were losing it. This man we saw every day. He out here sitting by the every day. You know what they said? Why are y'all shocked? I do this by Yeshua. Same cat that y'all hung up on the cross, same thing. I ain't got nothing different in me. We working with the same stuff. And it's for you. Turn an opportunity into a sermon, into, into multiple people added, added, to the church. We carry that. We do. The problem is we allow everybody else to think they got a choice. I'm not up here to battle for your choice. Yeah, I'm cool with you liking me. Awesome. But there should be some power. What I teach, what I say should challenge you, and you should be able to come and get something off of me. There should be an anointing. There should be a presence. There should be a smearing. When you deal with me, you should feel like Christ was there. There shouldn't be a question when I walk off. Even if you can't put a name on it, even if you can't say what it is, you should feel it like it's just something different. If you have a sickness, you should be able to come right here. You should be able to come around me. You should be able to see me on the street. And it doesn't take a whole long time. We can just touch and agree right now. Because what I possess, it's on me. So let's finish this out. So which is easier to say, right? 
All right, your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. Let's go to the next one, Ryan, and we'll close out. But to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority <laughs> to forgive sins, to convince you that as sons and daughters, we just sang the song, right? We're sons and daughters, right? We just sang that song. We're sons and daughters. That we have the, we have the ability to forgive sins. Go to the next. I say to this man, stand up. Pick up your stretcher. Walk on. Immediately. Immediately the man sprang to his feet. Mind you, this man is paralyzed. Anybody who understands paralysis knows that your muscles, bones, your muscles, atrophy right things get you know it hasn't been used so you know it's not what did it say happened it said he sprang to his feet the expectation has to be different people it has to be different my expectation for when I see God heal somebody it has to be immediate it has to be fully with no wavering uh uh now we ain't playing that yeah, you couldn't walk, now you're limping. No, we're going to get rid of that too. Because if Jesus could heal a man and he hadn't walked and he sprang up, same thing was said about the guy that sat at the gate called Beautiful. So let me help you understand. Oh, that was Jesus. Jesus got that. No, 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 no. This is not a lesser Holy Spirit. This is the only thing that you pass along that doesn't get weaker.
Something used to happen in my job, I would be one of the first ones over there. They said, are you on the first responder team? I said, no. But I'd get right down by him and put my hand on him. Wouldn't say a word. Because the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they recover.
This is a day in the life of who we are. In each situation, the person believed that if they got to him for whatever means, whatever issue, it was going to be taken care of immediately. And in every situation that you hear of, for it, I believe maybe one situation, it was immediate. There was a one circumstance where it wasn't immediate. The blind man, initially he only saw images. Now that was good because he, before he couldn't see anything. Then his eyes came to a place where he saw men as trees.
pray right now. And I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice, no matter when they watch this, no matter when they are, are in this atmosphere, this presence, I pray that every word that you spoke, everything that you said is confirmed by your signs and your wonders in the earth. I declare right now in Jesus' name, sickness is being removed. Diseases are being healed right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I declare it to be so right now. What we can't see that's happening right now, make it manifest and evident. Let it be revealed in such a way that we see people who were paralyzed spring up. Let it be so evident that someone that may be in a tomb gets up out of the grave. We need to understand what salvation is. Let it be that someone who doesn't have automatically has provision that's overflowing. Let that be manifest. Let those testimonials be heard so that people know that there is a real God and he is not dead. But through Yeshua, we live in us the hope of glory. Let someone who's been diagnosed with some type of disease or some type of sickness go back and hear a report that says that they do not have that disease or that sickness. I don't care what they tested positive for, shake it up. Whose report will we believe? We will believe the report of the Lord by your stripes we were healed if we were healed then we are there's no sickness no plague that can come nigh our dwelling place in Jesus name if you agree with me and you watch it type amen say amen give God a hand clap of praise hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you God we thank you for joining us today we thank you for being here and we are here come join us anytime we do believe if you are out here and you're close by and you're suffering with an ailment, we do believe. This is a place that you can put your, your doubts to the side and say, do they actually believe that? We believe it. But we thank you for joining us. We thank you for being here. And I just thank God for all of you dismiss in Jesus name. Amen.